Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Just Another Human Story. Uh, I was pretty excited for this one, it was a little bit on the fly. Uh, it was one of my family friends and uh, he had a big impact on me when I was growing up, you know. I guess I just picked some stuff up from this random dude who travels the world just for his life. Like, it's a he, he lives a pretty cool life and um, I think anyone who listens to this is just going to really hear another perspective on life and really learn something about how other people view the world. And, um, I mean, I hope one day to have this, this guy uh, come back and have another chat, whether that's on the internet or whatever. I really hope he comes back to New Zealand one day. But um, I think he's just got a lot and learned a lot and seen a lot. Um, you'll hear that he's been travelling the world for nigh on 30 years, if not more, and... Um, I mean, anyone who's done that and, and immersed themselves in as many cultures as he has is going to have something pretty powerful uh, to teach the people around him. And I think that's kind of how he goes about his life anyway. But um, yeah, let's get stuck into it. Enjoy. I believe we all want a chance to share our story. And we should. Whether our story is being cut off by traffic or uplifting our whole life and moving to the other side of the world, someone out there could be encouraged by it. My name's Paige, and this is Just Another Human Story. Good morning, Pin. How are you going? Good morning. I'm doing fine, thanks. Welcome into, uh, welcome into my makeshift studio. It's going to be a bit of fun. Yeah. You've, you're definitely the oldest we've had on the podcast so far. You've seen a bit more than everyone else, so I'm looking forward to sharing what you've got to say about life with whoever the hell listens to this at some point. Yeah. And I'm quite happy to share some of the experiences I've had in the hope that even if it doesn't affect 99% of the people who listen, if one of the people who listen catch a little grain of information from something I say, then it's been worth it. And that's what we're all about. We're all, yeah. about, we're all about hopefully one person listens to it and gets something out of it. But if a lot of people hear it and get a little bit out of it each... yeah. Even better, because you've got you've 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 done a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. We, in fact, we could sit here and make a podcast for twelve hours and still not be done. So, who who are you? Where are you from? What do you <coughs> give us a short introduction? Uh right. I'm Pen P E N, as in writing implement, and that describes me. It's the the nickname that I chose when I left school, and I've used it ever since. I class myself as now as an international nomad. I left the UK maybe nineteen ninety three after a disastrous relationship breakup and joined the the travelling community. At first it was just an adventure just to go and see places and do things. And eventually it, it sort of became a way of life. Uh, I spent fifteen years in Europe travelling the length, the length and breadth of Europe, um, working in the north in the summertime and travelling up and down, spending the winters down in the south, down in Morocco. And like with any, any lifestyle like that, that I took time off now and again to have what you'd call a holiday, a break, <laughs> I'd, I'd go to, yeah. Um, so I'd, the holiday break, is that... You're currently returning to the UK. Was the holiday break time going back to the UK? Yeah, this is just a holiday going back to the UK. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in, in between the times when I was travelling, I'd do other travelling and take a break to places like India, 
uh, Asia. I spent, oh, in total, maybe three or four years in India, maybe 10, 15 years in, in Asia, uh, 15, 20 years in Europe itself. Um, yeah, so I've, I've traveled worldwide. There's in many, many countries, certainly continents. I uh, spent time in Australia, New Zealand. I have to admit, I love the, the southern continents, Australia and New Zealand. Uh, I'm in New Zealand at the moment, and my journey for this round is coming to an end in New Zealand, and I'm heading back for a visit to the UK, go back and visit family and friends who I've not seen for a while. I mean, obviously we stay in touch on, on Facebook and Messenger yeah. and stuff like that, but to actual physical companies, very different. Yeah, yeah. so I, I think it's time I went back and visited. Sounds like a bit of a homecoming time. I'm sure you have mixed emotions about it, but as I you do, say, it'll yes. be nice yes, to see I those. <laughs> just, it... like, just like coming here to see... Yeah, Cause, coming here I mean, to see friends here. I've got friends here who I've uh, who I've known for oh ten or fifteen years. Twenty, um, try twenty. Twenty, yeah. Andrew's one of them. One of the main <laughs> ones. <laughs> I was just a little shit who wouldn't eat his seedy bread back then. Knee high to a grasshopper. <laughs> um, we've we've got a good intro on you. We've got a little bit of background. Mm -hmm. We'll just go back for a second. <clears throat> we'll just figure out where you came from. For a little bit, give a bit of background. Um, where did you? Ah, oh, we're gonna go. Where did you live when you were first born? Where did you grow up? Right, um, UK. Um, it was in the northwest of the UK, Manchester-ish. It's a huge, big region. We were on the outskirts of the city. Uh, fairly poor, poor working class. Um, a quickie is uh. Mother and father split up, lived with father and grandmother. Father died, lived with grandmother. Grandmother died, uh, went into curse slightly, and then back to my original mother for the last couple of years of a... a I won't say difficult time, but uh, the last couple of years of education before I finally left school and became independent and got a flat. Sounds uh, like you must have got a bit of education just from living at home and experiencing a lot of change <laughs> over the years. I mean, you were just... Uh, per, your your yeah. sum up was person died, I, I went and... Well, first there was a death of a relationship yeah. and you moved and then there was yeah. death, moved, death. What was, what was home life like during that time? Um... I have to say it wasn't bad. Many times were difficult. I, I give an example as being, let's see, before I moved to high school, so I'd have been nine-ish, ten-ish, maybe eleven, and we used to have an, an open coal fire in the house, simple terraced houses, and we couldn't afford coal or fuel for the fire in winter, so it was freezing cold. And I used to go out with a little little four-wheeled buggy trolley type thing, and I'd go out, and in that area it were a, um, I won't say dense urban area, but there was a lot of the old Victorian terrace streets. 
<coughs> and a lot of them had gone into disrepair, some were being demolished. So we used to go into the, the houses that were all sort of condemned and boarded up and being demolished and collect all the firewood and broken wood and I'd take it back home on this little trolley, do this most days, sometimes every other day, and take it back at home and then chop it all up into pieces that would fit in the fire and then we'd have a little fire burning in the fire grate to keep us warm. Uh, I was living alone with a grandmother who was trying to do part-time jobs to make ends meet. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it was fairly poor, but I can't say it was unhappy. About... And I can't say that I suffered any uh, unpleasantness or abuse like a, a lot of people suffered. So even though it were poor circumstances, it, I, I can't say it was happy, but I can't say it was unhappy. I had a fairly neutral childhood-ish, yeah. And here's me complaining about um, not being allowed to turn on the heat pump when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's relative, yeah. At, yeah. Least, at least you don't live in a third world country mm. where you have to walk five mile every morning to, to just bring a, a five litre, 25 litre bucket of water back to, to start cooking breakfast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, what was school life like? School life, um, I struggled with school life. One, because being sort of thinnish and wearing glasses, there was always that being put down for wearing glasses and, and that sort of thing. Um, I've never really been a active, sporty type person, physical type person, so I was the, the last one to be picked at the football <laughs> and stuff like that. You know the yeah. score. Um, struggled again with education. One, because because of these deaths I spoke about changing circumstances, also led to a change in schools and a change in location. So each time I was dumped into a new school with no friends that was also at a different level of education, as it were. They'd, they'd already taught stuff that I didn't know, and they were trying to teach stuff that I'd already been taught. So, yes, I struggled. I only sort of got it together towards the later bits of the secondary education. And I've always, I, I have a, a, a natural innate ability, as it were, for anything scientific, mechanical, because I, I did uh, all levels, which is just below sort of college degree level in biology, maths, engineering, metalwork. So I've always had a a practical um, grasp of, of practical things yeah and I did struggle a little bit at school with that because I, I was ahead of the rest of them so again I got sort of um, ostracized a little bit for being the brainy one sometimes um, which I used to rebel against by wagging school and, and mm. creating havoc as you did. <laughs> Um, what did you What did you dream of? What did I dream of? Career-wise or life goal-wise or whatever. I didn't. You... I didn't. I've never really had any of those type of dreams, expectations, wanting to be. Uh, <clears throat> I would have liked to have been a medical side because, like I say, I was good at biology and thought about doctoring type thing. Um, but I suppose to some extent I wasn't prepared to put in the commitment for long-term education. 
Um, I did a, an apprenticeship. It was a five-year apprenticeship. And I did three and a half years and just got bored with it and walked away. That was in engineering and, and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've always lived life in the moment. Yes, mm. I do try and make vague plans but the problem is <clears throat> when you make a, a strict plan of what you're going to do and it doesn't work out then you get disappointed and lose interest but if you just make a, a sort of vague flexible idea of where you want to be then it's much easier to stay on that in that direction yeah i like that actually <laughs> that's pretty good yeah because you've you've shut out a lot of disappointment <coughs> and negativity just yeah yeah, purely by being flexible. Yeah, and if something goes wrong, yeah, you just deal with it and, and flex around it and and carry on with your plan until something crops up that might be better or, or um, just your next step. Different. Yeah, you yeah. just change your mind and start doing something different. To me, it's more important to live in the moment. What's the point in, in making plans and wanting to have oh, so much in the future? And then you get run over by a car or struck by lightning and all that preparation's all been wasted. I mean, yes, if, if you really want to do something like that, it's worth the investment. But for me, I think part of the problem was I had um, a, an elderly couple friends and they'd saved up all their life and they were determined about their retirement and they'd put money away, they'd paid off their house, they'd worked endlessly and, and tirelessly to get rid of all the debts and finally came their retirement point and they retired and they said, right, first thing we're going to do is have a world cruise and really lash out and enjoy ourselves. And they booked all this fantastic world cruise and they set off from the UK and the first port of call was, was America, obviously, the beautiful beaches of California and jet skis. They went out on a jet ski and bang, got killed. Oops. So all that life, I can't say it was wasted because they enjoyed the life they were doing, but it sort of didn't pay off for that investment. And they, they never I, quite reached that end goal the way they thought they were going to. Yeah. No matter how, no matter how hard they tried, and they did, because they yeah, were making it. That's it. They did it. They got to that point where they'd paid everything off, and then they could enjoy what they'd, they'd worked for. And then suddenly, bang, they're dead. Whoops. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's a good way a good way to put it. You're never quite never quite sure what's going to happen next. And I guess it's just finding a way to acknowledge that you might have plans and things you want to do, but always keep them flexible so that you can actually enjoy a little bit of what's going on now. That's it. So you can enjoy the moment. Yes, you might be heading towards a goal, but Try and enjoy the moment as you can. And <clears throat> enjoying the moment doesn't isn't necessarily, or certainly isn't, consumerism, as in buying something to make you happy. It's more about inside, experiencing nature and love and partnerships and all, all the, the non-financial things. The, the best things in life are free. But we've been taught the opposite. We've taught you have to buy happiness, and that doesn't quite work. <laughs> Grand old Duke of York, he paid 12 million quid to someone he never knew for something he never did. <laughs> right, carry on. <laughs> so you left, so you finished high school. Mm -hmm. Mixed experience, but you were a pretty switched on kid. Yeah. 
You you mentioned you did an apprenticeship for three and a half of the five years. Yeah. What what was that young adult lifetime like for you? Uh, and what what do you think shaped where you got to now from that period? Uh, nothing. <laughs> 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 that period was living in a small bedsit flat and living again on a tiny apprentice wage as they were back then um, which just about covered enough for, for food and the rent and everything and just going to work and, and learning um, I've always been a sort of a, a bit of a minimalist I've never really gone for wasting money on, on fancy things and I suppose not being not drinking alcohol um, helped with that so I didn't used to go out drinking and partying so I was able to, to manage quite easily on a, a basic apprentice's wages and had a couple of motorbikes at the time because I were into biking riding a, a big 650 BSA at, at 16, 17 years old with no licence or anything <laughs> like we used to have back in those days um, <clears throat> so yeah that just sort of drifted along during that period I can't think of anything during that period that was formative to the rest of my life it was just a period I went through so what obviously you've changed and moved along a yeah. whole bunch since then <clears throat> talk yeah. us talk us through going from a young adult and earlier you mentioned about having that sort of grenade thrown into a whole relationship oh, the emotional, and that was a catalyst. Emotional hand grenades. Yeah. yeah. The, a relationship can be ticking along nicely and then some divine intervention from somewhere just drops an emotional hand grenade right in the middle of it and poof, your whole life is, is shattered. Your whole relationship status and everything is just shattered and most people go through this sometime in their life. And... For me, I think it came at the same time as, as what you'd suppose you'd call a midlife crisis. Because I, I came out of that relationship thinking, oh, what do I do now? Do I get a new partner and a new job and a new place to live and a new, not new circle of friends, but a changing circle of friends? Because yeah. obviously your circle of friends side with partners when when people split up and then when you find a new partner you've got yeah a... all the new stuff and at, at that time i just wasn't ready for it and i said right i want to take a break from this a stepping out not necessarily a holiday more of a, a chance to to sit back and reflect and a friend who lived down in the south of spain um, knew what was going on and he said come down for christmas for a month uh, just to get your head together. I went down the, saw a different side of the world, saw travelling communities and people living in vehicles and, and to some extent, happy people, people who were enjoying life, who weren't stuck in the, the nine to five routine that I'd been, I did adjusted my life to be in a family situation. You have to stick with the nine to five to pay for the, all the things that the, the family needs. And that was a moment of change in my life. And yeah, that, that was when I, I thought, yeah, when I decided to 
try try it out to try a bit of this this traveling and seeing the world and having different experiences and to break out of the mold that society had put me in and I've never looked back since yes the time of the split up was a harrowing experience <clears throat> but like many harrowing experiences in life it's sometimes in hindsight looked back on did create a, a long-term more positive effect and yeah what's what's important to you what's important to me ethics truth compassion morality um and if people had more of these, if I had more of these, if everybody had more of these, I think the world would be a hell of a lot better place. Um, and yeah, anything that I have personally learned, whether it's spiritual or physical, if I can pass that on to help somebody, even just in general conversations with people I meet, and if I can pass some of that on to help them in something they can take that bit of information and use, then it's been a good result. Um, What's an experience you've had that you would encourage other people to put themselves in the position to have? <laughs> My top line of the, of the top of the range has to be meditation. Instead of looking out and grasping outside for things to make us happy, it's time to look inside. And yes, I've through all the, the religions and stuff I've been through, and I've, I've studied most of them, but I do tend to follow Buddhism. And they have a, um, a meditation system called Vipassana. Vipassana. And it's a 10-day meditation retreat, no phones, no books, no talking, no nothing, just focusing on med meditation. And yes, that seems extreme, but it's, it's about body learning rather than mind learning. And you can learn something by doing much better than you can learn something by reading about it. By doing, it sticks much better in your mind. And... If you wanted to learn to be a doctor or a, pre or, a, or a teacher or any profession, you'd think nothing of going to college for five years and doing doctorates and getting degrees and all that sort of shit. And as soon as somebody says, hang on, if you want to learn about yourself inside, why don't you spend 10 days at a silent retreat centre? And people say, oh, no, I can't do that. I'd rather spend 10 years learning something that is outside of me and totally ignoring the inside what comes from inside how to 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 reprogram yourself how to deal with the anger that comes out the sadness the happiness the compassion the, all the bits the emotional stuff that comes from inside and you look deep into that root of it and find out what causes that what makes you angry why you react to certain things and I think that's one of the, the best things. In fact, in my life, it's one of the best things I ever learned because I learned it 30 years ago and I've done, oh, dozens of these 10-day retreats ever since because <laughs> they're great to do. Yeah. And 
yes, I've used it so many times in in practical situations that would normally have caused me lots of stress and anger. I've learned that patience, that calmness that doesn't work 100% of the time, obviously, but works a large proportion of it. And yeah, that's that's one of the best things I can think of that's helped me in my life. You were saying, when we spoke about that earlier, you were saying, <clears throat> well, when you and I, mm-hmm. by ourselves, spoke about that earlier, you were saying, the countries you've been to and done that, and a lot of them, that's just, you have a donation. Yeah. And yeah, otherwise yeah. effectively free. But that is something, that kind of experience is obtainable Right here in New oh, yeah, Zealand, the, say we can just yeah these Vipassana places and and again Vipassana is uh, I would say one of the most trusted or the most uniform of the of the the meditation retreats and stuff like that and in Asia and India obviously the free donation basis they do charge in Western countries but you can just go on the Vipassana sites and I. I assume, or I'm fairly sure, there's one in almost every country in the world. <clears throat> I think in some of the Western countries, you might have to actually pay slightly more for it. But again, if you spent 10 years in an education system of college and doctorates, how much would you spend on your education? And yet, you st- we still struggle with 10 days that might be able to change our lives. Uh, yeah. It's definitely, it sounds like it's worth a shot. <laughs> yeah. I might have to look into it. I it's, might have to it do seriously it. is, yeah. And I mean, you gain an, an experience, an internal, transcendental experience. And for some people, it's totally life-changing. It's like a transcendental experience of connecting with God or something like that. For other people, at the other end of the scale... It's just taught them a bit of a bit of quiet and calmness and patience, or how to switch on that calmness and patience. Uh, the example I use is: think of when you're lying in bed at night, and there's all sorts of rubbish from the day going round and round in your head, repeating itself: what you should have done, what you should have said, what could happen, all these scenarios, and you're thinking, "Oh no, shut up!" But why aren't we in control of all those thoughts? And that's one of the best things that meditation did teach me. Because I used to have a real problem with that. You'd sit there for hours going over and over. all And you're thinking, shut up! Um, and yet yeah, it taught me that inside there is a switch. We can have control. And when I'm in that, st- that state like that, when I get into a state like that, I can immediately go back to, to my body-learned technique that I've learned in, in the meditation courses are just following the breath and follow and the mind can only focus on on one thing at a time it's good at jumping about between things but if you make it force it to focus on only one thing then that's all it can focus on and if you focus on your breathing and your calmness then all of those idiotic thoughts that, that are annoying us they fade away like smoke they're gone yeah it's it's a uh, an amazing thing to be able to do. And again, it doesn't work 100% of the time. Mm. But it works maybe 70 or 80%, which to me is a great advantage when you lie in those <laughs> sleepless at night time. <laughs> yeah, I'll take 80% of the time working versus, <laughs> versus, versus none of it. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you think what you're doing 
makes you happy, but also could impact other people's lives. <coughs> um, ooh, how do you mean what I'm doing? As in being a traveller? Yeah, just living living your life. For you, it's being a traveller. Yeah. You go to markets and stuff. You do. For some people, that's not even their job. It's their hobby that they, you know, some people go and hang out flying a yeah a drone well, every weekend and that can impact other people's lives just by being them around them but yeah to me being a traveler is is yeah just traveling having different experiences meeting different people learning different things about different cultures and again it's back to that if in all these people i meet and and interact with if i can give them that little bit of of help or advice that helps them in their life then then there's been a good side of it um the best part of it is is to be able to like you were saying about jobs and flying drones and stuff to be able to enjoy the thing that earns you a living and you must enjoy your work to be able to put a good energy into that work to to get the good feedback from it and so many people are working in jobs and they hate the jobs they do and they come home and then they're grumpy with their wife and kids and and all it really affects the social situations we discussed the concept of ubi the the ubi um, payments yeah. that would <clears throat> that would partially solve that problem and people would should try to find a type of job that they actually enjoy doing because not only would they put a good energy into the work and do better work they'd also put a better energy into their own life and into their own family and situation um yeah it's a feedback situation and um just to close us out if you could say one... Because I've got a plane to catch. Yeah, you've got... <laughs> yeah, racing against the clock. Yeah, in um, an hour's time, I, I have to be checking in for the flight to the UK, <laughs> which is a flight from here to... From here, Auckland, to Singapore, for a couple of hours wait in Singapore, a flight from Singapore to Frankfurt, a couple of hours wait in Frankfurt, a flight from Frankfurt to London, and then leaving London Airport to trying to get a train to take me the, the 400 kilometres up to Manchester and then a short bus journey to where I'm going. So that's an interesting fun trip. <laughs> <laughs> so go on, sorry, you were so, saying. Sounds like 36 hours of very little sleep and sitting in the chair. Yeah, and reading my e-book. Yeah. <laughs> go on. Um, if you could say one thing to change just one person's life, what would that be? I have to say, investigate Buddhism. Um, because uh, Buddhism has is a two-sided coin. You've got the standard, ooh, I won't say poor people's, but the standard working class version of Buddhism that is similar to Christianity and Hinduism where you just worship the Buddha and say, please protect me and please give me things. But Buddhism has its second side, which is scientific Buddhism. The Dalai Lamas are uh, um, adherent of this. And they actually go into the, the reprogramming of your own mind, how to reprogram your own mind to get rid of or to, to help against the programming that's induced by society. And 
to get that balanced version of life and yeah, I sort of lost the plot there. <laughs> no, you're all right. No, sounds sounds good. Investigate Buddhism. Buddhism. Fuck me. Yeah. Investigate Buddhism. I but, like it. But not not just the the religious worshiping side, but the actual psychological benefits of Buddhist meditation, which comes back to the vipassana that I was speaking about. Um, and in, Buddhism, in its in essence, is teachings of how to to understand and work with your own mind your own subconscious so yeah that's so not just investigate the religion but investigate and try and learn the teachings i guess yeah and yeah all right let's get you off to that plane though before you (laughs) thank you thank you for coming having a chat yeah thank you for doing the interview and i hope um somebody gets benefits from it from from my words and if they do great yeah it's all been worth it man how awesome was it having a chat with pen just seen so much done so much and immersed himself in so many different thought processes and ideals and just spent time with people that i reckon most of us never will um in regards to the experience he was talking about the uh, meditation um, I had a look at that quickly, and you know what? You can do that in New Zealand if that's what persuades you, uh, and it is free. It is a donation-only kind of setup. Um, it hasn't been too commercialized, even in the Western world, so how good's that? Um, and, uh, yeah, thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, give us give us a, a like on Facebook or whatever. Chuck us a share to your friends, you know. Uh, just start getting this thing out there. Um Yeah, cool. Well, I'll see you guys next week and thanks again for listening.